This episode of Mothers Who Kill covers a case of child abuse. If you know a child that is being abused, please call or text 1-800-4-A-CHILD. That's 1-800-422-4453. All calls and texts are confidential. If you don't feel comfortable calling or texting, you can go to www.childhelphotline.org to chat. All chats are also confidential. Child help is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, so please contact them. You could save a child's life. That's 1-800-422-4453 and www.childhelphotline.org. y'all it's Stacy and you're listening to a bonus episode of Mothers Who Kill. Before we dive into this case I want to apologize for the delay in this episode and episode three. With the holidays and our work schedule it's been kind of hard to do research and to get things recorded. I'm not making any promises but the Andrea Yates episode should be up before Monday. Okay so today I'm talking about the Sarah Lynn Kruger case. Um, on February 1st, 2014, police in Napa County, California received a 911 call from a friend of Sarah's saying that she had seen the dead body of Sarah's three-year-old daughter, Kaylee Jane Slusher, the night before. When police arrived, they found Kaylee's bruised, battered, and partially frozen body in a suitcase on her bed. Napa County Deputy District Attorney Keisha Lynn reported that Kaylee had 41 distinguishable injuries on her little body with severe bruising and injuries to her head. Lynn said that Kaylee's body was extremely cold to the touch when she was found, but they do not know how long her body was kept in the freezer. Lynn also stated that authorities believe that the beatings began months before Kaylee's death. When Sarah and her boyfriend Ryan Scott Warner were apprehended on February 2nd of 2014, they told police that they thought Kaylee had died of unknown circumstances. But searches of Sarah's phone showed that she had searched for the most populated cities in the United States, which makes me believe that they planned this and they had planned to run as well. Um. Both Sarah and Ryan told police that they had no idea where all the bruises and injuries to Kaylee came from. Um, Sarah's attorney also stated that she blames Ryan and that he was responsible for the fatal blow that killed Kaylee. He also stated that Sarah was using meth leading up to her daughter's death. Attorneys for Warner argue that there was no evidence that his client abused the child or knew anything about the abuse. Um, the Napa County District, Att- District Attorney's Office did not seek the death penalty against Kruger and Warner due to the fact that there were no special circumstances in Kaylee's death. Um, Sarah and Ryan were both charged with murder and assault resulting in death. Both were convicted on May 30th of 2017 and are serving life without parole. The day after sentencing, Napa County Superior Court released assessments of the defendants by the county probation officers. These reports give insight into Sarah and Ryan's lives before and after Kaylee's death. 
In Sarah's assessment, it says that her attorney attempted to portray her as a battered woman suffering from PTSD. Sarah testified that she had been raped as a teenager. She'd started using meth early in life, and she had a hectic home life. And despite describing a turbulent early adolescence, Sarah was at times a productive member of the community, according to the probation officer's report. After attending one year at Napa High School, Sarah got, had gotten into some trouble, but she graduated from Liberty High School. And she eventually started uh, studying early childhood education at Napa Valley College. Sarah also held jobs as a cashier at places like Target, Walmart, and Browns Valley Market. She said that she had been off meth from the time she'd become pregnant with Kaylee until the summer of 2013 when Warner moved into her apartment. Sarah said that when Ryan reintroduced her to the to the drug, it got to the point where she just couldn't say no. And about six months after he moved in, Kaylee was found dead. In an interview at the Napa County Jail, Sarah blamed Warner for the for Kaylee's death. She said that he controlled the entire situation and that he should pay for what he did to Kaylee. She said that she feels guilty for relapsing and that she knows she failed Kaylee, but she believes she should be charged with something, just not necessarily um, charges as severe as she has. According to the report, Sarah says she keeps a photo of Kaylee nearby so she can see her every day and that she wonders what types of things Kaylee would be into if she were alive. Sarah, who plans to appeal her case, said that she would like to start a charity in honor of Kaylee, helping other people stay sober. The probation report found that if Sarah was released, she is at high risk to reoffend. In Ryan Warner's assessment, it states that he did not testify during his trial, but he did make a statement prior to sentencing. He apologized for his actions following the discovery of Kaylee's body, <clears throat> but he says that he maintains his innocence. Other than his known use of meth, one of the only things said about Warner during the trial was that several of Sarah's friends got bad vibes from him. And it also came out that he and Sarah had known each other as teenagers and had at some point reconnected via Facebook. The probation officer's report doesn't reveal much more about Ryan since he declined to discuss his personal history. What he did say, according to, to the report, is that he was born in San Jose um, he attended high school in Fairfield. He dropped out during his senior year and took one semester of courses at a community college. It says that Warner was also on juvenile probation for the unlawful use of a credit card and had been under supervision for more than four years. The last time that he was employed was in 2013 when he said he worked for a temp agency here and there. Um, although Warner had previously told police that he treated Kaylee like she was his own daughter, the probation officer said that his actions were in a stark contrast with how a reasonable adult cares for a child. The report states, She was neglected, tortured, and ultimately died in extreme pain, naked and alone on the bathroom floor. The probation found that Warner's actions, um, severe neglect, and lack of empathy or remorse towards Kaylee caused uh, great concern for the safety of others. It also says that um, Ryan is the youngest of three siblings, and he also has a son of his own, and he also plans to, to appeal his conviction. After reading those reports, we get a little insight into Sarah and Ryan, but my main takeaway is that neither one of them want to own up to their actions. Somebody abused Kaylee, somebody killed Kaylee, and neither one of them want to own up to it. They just want to play the blame game. 
And while we don't know a lot about Kaylee's father, Jason Slusher, his victim impact statement was made available in the probation report. It says that um, Jason says he can't even hear young children playing or be around other children in his family because it makes him think of Kaylee. Whenever he sees a child of Kaylee's age, especially if they are blonde like Kaylee was, he's a mess. He says it's very painful when people see him at the store or gas station and want to tell him how sorry they are about his death. It says that he did not request any victim restitution, only that Kaylee's belongings, her toys, stuffed animals, and photos be returned to him. He said that everything that Kaylee owned or touched was precious to him. While the probation report states that Jason didn't request any victim restitution, in May of 2015, he and his parents filed a wrongful death suit against the city and county of Napa. In the wrongful death suit, Jason and his parents, Robin and Benny Slusher, stated that the Napa Police Department and the county child welfare services personnel did not properly investigate allegations that Kaylee was being abused, neglected, and was in danger due to the use of methamphetamine and the conduct of her mother, Sarah. The attorneys for the Slushers issued a news release saying that the $5 million settlement was the largest tied to a wrongful death suit in the history of the city and the county. The news release also quoted U.S. District Judge Sandra Brown Armstrong, who wrote in an early opinion of the case, The horrific murder of Kaylee likely could have been prevented had the police officers and social workers involved in this case performed their jobs with any semblance of competence. The lawsuit said that Napa Police Officer Garrett Wade was dispatched to visit the apartment where Kaylee lived in January of 2014. He had been advised that Warner had an outstanding warrant for his arrest and that Kaylee was in danger. Wade, who was a mandated reporter, did not investigate any further. He did not report any suspected child abuse, nor did he serve a warrant to Warner. Later that month, Wade was again dispatched to the apartment after the child's grandmother, Robin, said that Kaylee was in the use in the presence of the use of illegal drugs, being denied food, and possibly being abused. Wade and another officer visit, visited the apartment and found that Kaylee's face was bruised and that she appeared sick, malnourished, and distressed. Sarah said that Kaylee had the flu and took her into a bathroom. Sarah also asked that the officers leave, and they did. Wade told Robin that he would keep an eye out on the apartment, but he did not return before Kaylee's death. Robin contacted the County Child Welfare Services to report that Sarah and Ryan were using drugs, intentionally depriving Kaylee of food, and that there was a warrant out for Warner's arrest. Employees from the department, um, who were both mandated reporters, called Robin back to say that the Child Welfare Services could not do anything. The lawsuit contended that police, that police officers were dispatched to the child's apartment at least five times in the months leading up to her death, with the final three visits occurring in Kaylee's final two weeks of life. Robin said that if the police and social workers had done their job, Kaylee would still be alive. When the city of Napa announced the financial settlement, it said that they maintained that their officers conducted proper investigations based on their training. And in a separate news release, Napa County said that it maintains that the Child Welfare Services followed the state law when responding to the complaint of abuse or neglect, but decided it was best to settle the case. In the settlement agreement with the Napa Police, it specified 11 actions that the department was supposed to take related to the training and responding of, to incidents of child abuse or neglect. 
It said that the child abuse policies would be revised and the best practices would be incorporated. Officers were to have received additional training in prevention, investigation, and reporting of child abuse and neglect, as well as children who are exposed to drugs and domestic violence. It said that the department had committed to training its 911 dispatchers in child abuse and neglect, that dispatchers and officers would be trained to identify risk factors for child abuse, such as living conditions, looking for previous events at the child's home address, histories of domestic violence, or child abuse with family members. It said that the officers would also be required to um, sign a form acknowledging that they understood that they must report child abuse and neglect. In a statement from the city, it said, Kaylee Slusher's death was a terrible tragedy. The city and county of Napa have committed to doing everything in their power to prevent and protect other children from suffering child abuse and neglect. And in a statement from Napa County, it said that the county's commitment to the needs of others, such as vulnerable children, remained a priority and continues to be carried out by CWS's employees who engage daily in countless interactions with families in distress, economic, physical, or mental challenges, in addition to educational challenges. And they also tirelessly work alongside these families to achieve positive outcomes. An attorney for the Slusher family said that Kaylee's family found the settlement to be one that respected their loss and that the reforms were especially important to them. Um, Kaylee's father also said that he still cries whenever he tries to talk about Kaylee's death and that the day that she was born was the best day of his life and that the pain can be overwhelming. He said, quote, I feel like Kaylee was the only right thing that happened to me in my life. Her death was the worst thing I can ever Im imagine happening, end quote. Okay, guys, so that news release from the Slusher's attorneys gave us a lot of information. Here is a piece of information that came from um, Ryan Scott Warner's interviews with the police. It says here that he told police that they put Kaylee's body into a plastic bag, then folded it up into a red duffel bag and put it into a freezer prior to tucking her into bed before they ran. All right, guys, these people are idiots. They told police that they have no idea how Kaylee died. In one report, they said that they thought she died from drinking something poisonous. And in another report, they said that she died from um, unknown complications. So normal people are going to call 911 if they find their child unresponsive. Normal people are going to call somebody for help, okay? Murderers are going to do what Sarah Lynn Kruger and Ryan Scott Warner did. I firmly believe that these two planned this murder and planned to run and thought that they were going to get away with it. Cases like this one with Kaylee is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast. I want to raise awareness for those children who are suffering silently, who are afraid to tell anyone about their abuse. If you know a child who's being abused, whether they're being abused mentally, physically, emotionally, or sexually, please reach out and get that child help. Please call your local police department, your local Department of Human Services, your local Child Protective Services. If you want to remain anonymous, you can reach out to the Child Help National Child Abuse Hotline at 1-800-422-4453. You can call that hotline or you can text that hotline or you can go online to www.childhelphotline.org and chat with someone. Just remember, this is all confidential 
your uh, your identity will remain anonymous. Just please, please get that child some help. You could save a child's life. Okay, guys, if you stuck around this long, we made it to the end. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. Thank you guys for being so patient with us during this holiday season and working around our schedules. Episode 3, Andrea Yates, should be up by Monday. Like I said in the beginning, I'm not making any promises. We also have some other interesting announcements to make in Episode 3. So I hope you guys stay tuned and I hope you guys have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. This episode of Mothers Who Kill covers a case of child abuse. If you know a child that is being abused, please call or text 1-800-4-A-CHILD. That's 1-800-422-4453. All calls and texts are confidential. If you don't feel comfortable calling or texting, you can go to www.childhelphotline.org to chat. All chats are also confidential. Child help is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, so please contact them. You could save a child's life. That's 1-800-422-4453 and www.childhelphotline.org.